Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Folks, welcome back to Hattricks Today. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake. As always, joined with me here in the studio is DJ Uncle Matt. And we're we're back after a few weeks of kind of unwinding, enjoying the last few bits of summer before the season kicks off. Um, I know I personally, I went uh, about a week and a half ago. I was in Arizona uh, visiting some family out there. Um, had an amazing time. Um, really enjoyed the desert and you know being out there in that 100 degree plus heat i mean once i got off the plane at jfk coming back i i missed it immediately just that heat it's always nice but you know without the seasons up here we wouldn't have hockey the way it really is and thrives up here and you know i also got to skate while i was out there um at the same facility i'm trying to figure out how to really word this without being misleading it's in mullet arena where the it's a practice rink within the arena there you go yeah so i was able to skate there at the practice rink for the yotes and the devils uh as it be the sun devils not to be confused with any other devils um yeah so that was it was a nice little nice little rink um oddly enough kind of warm in the rink not like noticeably warm but you could tell it it felt it felt off compared to like back home um so you know it was obviously nice to get a skate in at that building and then on top of that i was able to pick up some coyote stuff just just because and matt the disrespect out there for that team i mean i i know it's like talked about but to witness it firsthand in those stores is crazy i went into this big like probably no different than the islanders like before they started going back to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're 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 on a skid again. But I mean, but nothing like this though. I went to they have these Just Sports. It's like a chain out there. Um, I went to this bigger store in one of the malls. We, you know, my girlfriend and I shopped at, and I couldn't even find Coyote stuff in like the front of the store. I had to go all the way to the back, and tucked in between the corner of a wall with hats. It was like five different Coyotes hats, but they were so tucked away. It was like you'd miss it if you just glanced at the wall. Yeah, you, you got to remember that. I think you're in, you're in uh, football. I was going to say it's baseball more football and basketball football. country. No, and I understood it. I obviously was like, well, I know why this is happening, but it's just crazy to see it, you know, firsthand that, you know, you have all four sports, but you really only showcase at least three of the four, and even that's a little much because it was more or less two of the four i saw more suns and diamondback stuff than i did actually even the cardinals too that wasn't i didn't see a lot of that stuff either surprisingly but they've been pretty garbage the past few years so i understand why but yeah the coyote stuff just wasn't like really flying off the shelf it's tough man because i always thought that um you know some people don't get it and uh you know, I, I always thought that the Coyotes was kind of a cool thing, like a desert-themed hockey team. I think it's kind of cool. Um, I 
feel like it's it's kind of like I think I may have said this before. Um, it's the marriage of like two like real ninety stuff, right? It's like the marriage of the Mighty Ducks and Taco Bell, and you have the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. So um, I'm glad you got to go out there and see what it's like. I don't know. I mean, I think we, we I think anybody who's been around the NHL or obviously a fan of the NHL for a long time, it, it just seems like every summer. Uh, it could be the last summer that the Arizona Coyotes are in are in the Arizona desert. Um, you know, yeah, uh, it does seem like they're trying to get themselves a new arena. I think that the league has wanted that franchise to work for a long time, and I think that um, something that nobody really talks about is that the players like the lifestyle there. So players like living in Phoenix area, Arizona area, um, there's great colleges out there. It's it's a good place to be young, I guess. So um, hopefully they get that resolved. Yeah, and you know we also wanted to bring something up of you that you know you're you're very into baseball. We both are, um, especially in the minor leagues. You actually got to go to your first yard goats game this past week. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, it was a really interesting experience. That is a fantastic ballpark. It's a fantastic night out. If you haven't gone up to Hartford to check out the baseball team, they're affiliated with the Colorado Rockies. Um, it's a great experience up there. I really enjoyed it. Um, but one thing I was a little disappointed in was, well, there's two little things. First thing is that uh, the hot dogs were just absolutely terrible. It was the worst hot dog I think I've had in a long time at a ballpark. And I think that there's an interesting conversation we need to start having in this country. Uh, have ballparks, has you know the sporting venue, has it outgrown the hot dog? And are we now just looking at um, you know plates of barbecue and and um, you know like full sized pizzas and stuff that people are, are are munching on at at baseball games now? It's a really interesting time, I think, to be somebody that. Uh, you know, goes looking for a hot dog at a baseball game. So I was a little disappointed in what Hartford had had going on there. But otherwise, it was a really amazing experience. It's great for Hartford. I mean, you can just feel new life and energy when you walk through that stadium. Uh, it's a great place to be. A little disappointed, though, that, that there hasn't been more progress just, like, right around the ballpark. You know, I, I can't figure out for the life of me you know why like a Frank Pepe's hasn't opened up right outside or something um, along the same lines like a Brewport which exists outside the um, Bridgeport um, Islanders Arena so I'm just kind of unsure as to what the neighborhood around the the ballpark is going to be up there they've been I guess in business since 2017 I'm not sure when that park opened Yeah, it was maybe it was 2017 I think mm -hmm. they played the first season on the road though the whole season might be uh, I'm almost sure of it but I, I enjoyed it there it's a definitely a great thing um, for Hartford and I think uh, and I think as the neighborhood around the stadium develops there's a potential for a new Hartford there uh, I don't know if anybody knows they doesn't seem like they had a great season with the soccer team in Hartford, uh, Hartford Athletic. I mean, that seems like a beautiful little stadium. It's crawling distance to the Thomas Hooker Brewery location right there by the soccer stadium. So, uh, listen, the sports teams are there. Um, it'd be great, you know, if if the businesses 
and the local entrepreneurs start to move into Hartford a little bit, open up those local businesses, restaurants, and, and you know, really any other type of, of business that might attract people to the area, you know, create more of a neighborhood vibe right there because it, it, it's got a lot of potential. Yeah, and then also while I was on vacation, there was a special event, if you will, uh, where the mascot had its name unveiled. Um, I unfortunately couldn't attend, but Matt, you were there. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Um, it was really great. One thing that's great about uh, just following the hat tricks and being around the team is that there really is kind of year-round support. Obviously, the numbers get a little different when you get into the summer months, and um, you know, it was a really good crowd. I bet you they had about sixty-five people there, seventy-five people. Um, by now, everybody knows that the mascot's name will be Thumper. There's an allegation out there; it's not confirmed that Joe Trench came up with this name, or at least it was the name that he submitted. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 great to see the team get a mascot. Uh, it makes hockey so much fun. Um, there's, you know, uh, I think we could do a little better job on the, on the outfit, the costume that Thumper yeah. wears. Like, it'd be nice to maybe see some of the logos of the, uh, some of the sponsors on the jersey. You know, I'm not sure why he wears just an NHL jersey or an NA3 jersey. But, uh, again, you know, he's growing into himself, you know, Thumper. And uh, I think we're going to have, you know, I think we're going to have a presentable mascot by the time the season starts. Or at least somewhere in the middle of it. So, Thumper, welcome to the crowd. And, uh, you know, look forward to spending more time with you, pal. And, you know, speaking of N.A., uh, we actually got the amazing chance to speak with the head coach of the NAHL junior team, Patrick Stefan, also a first round over, was it first pick overall in the first round of the 1999 NHL draft? Um, An amazing conversation, which you should stay tuned for. Yeah, I think we're, you know, this is probably one of the best interviews we've done here on Hattrick City. It's it's always kind of special when you get somebody uh, like Patrick who played in the NHL for so long. He, I think he over four hundred some odd games, maybe maybe four fifty. So, um, it, it like I said, it was really great having him on. Very candid guy, very friendly guy. Yeah, four hundred and fifty five games in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, again great to have somebody with that type of experience come and talk to us and i think it's also great to have somebody with that type of experience coaching the junior team obviously you know the the people watching closest know it's been kind of a struggle to get that program to where we want it to be um you know just as fans and 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 people who go to the rink and stuff like that but i i think that um when we get everything in place. I think it will be a good opportunity. And it's great hockey. If you like the, the pro hat tricks, this is something similar. It's a fast game. It's very physical. These guys are hungry. They're playing for college scholarships. They're they you know, they look you know, some of them are NHL draft picks, you know. So uh it it would be great if we could get more of the listeners um, just interested in going down to those games. I know it's tough. It's another brand of hockey to kind of get used to and learn. But if you really want it, it's there for you. So 
Uh, I'm looking forward to going down to a few of these games. We don't really cover these guys on a day-to-day basis here on the show, but I, I do think it's uh, it's something that uh, I think the fans should take advantage of. For sure, and speaking of which, they'll be playing this weekend at home on the 7th and 8th, or sorry, 8th and 9th um, at 7 p.m., so if you want to come down see the season opener for them, uh, definitely come on down. Yeah, against the New Jersey Titans, right? Correct, Mundo, sir. Awesome. And now without further ado, here is our interview with Patrick Stefan. This is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We now have on one of the Nall's very own, Logan Nickerson. Logan, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, Logan, it's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. Um, actually, the first Nall player we've had here in studio during the show's run, um, Logan, how have you been during the summer? Um, anything in particular you've been working on? Um, it was a pretty long summer for me. Um, I had to get surgery on my shoulder, so that took up a pretty big chunk of my summer. Um, but worked through it and um, just ready to be be back here and get the season going. I think we um, we failed to mention in the intro that you're a Connecticut native from right here in the nutmeg state <laughs> i am yeah tell us wh- where did you grow up playing where was your home rink and stuff uh i first started out at wesleyan university where i actually took my first steps skating and then uh skated at cromwell for a while and then finally played at elite hockey academy right in northford connecticut when you were growing up what position did you play I was always a forward. You're always a forward the whole time, and now and you, you have an is it your uncle or your cousin, Matt Nickerson, who was a professional player for a long time. Yeah, my uh, my cousin, um, played in the Nall actually, and then got drafted to the Dallas Stars a while back. And he definitely played in the AHL and I think England for a while. He's been on a bunch of podcasts. He has a lot of good stories. I don't think he's been on Spitting Chicklets. Maybe he has been. I'm not too sure. But, I mean, I could check. But. but he's been on a lot of podcasts. He he's great. Do you are you in touch with him much? Yeah, we um, we I live in East Tatum, Connecticut, and he lives in Old Lyme, so it's only like a 10 minute car ride. So we always see each other. What is he up to these days? Uh, he's just working. He just had a newborn, okay. so. Yeah, not too much. How did you find your way here to Danbury, like to play for the junior hat-tricks in the NAHL? So I was playing my 16U year at Elite Hockey Academy, and Billy McCreary, and I forgot the other guy's name. He's no longer a coach. Um, just reached out to my coach, Peter Alden, and offered me a tender, and I was like, yeah, I want to play in Danbury close to home where my family can watch my games and I can go home on the weekends when we have nothing. It was just ideal for me. Tell us a little, just a little bit about um, kind of the experience of playing in this league. So I, I really don't know if all of our listeners kind of are in tune with what the NAHL is all about and kind of what you're going for in the league. So the NHL is just a opportunity to 
go to college D1. So a lot of just regular college students go to college right after high school. But for us hockey players, we need extra time and development to excel in our game. So we go to all these different junior leagues where we can just take however many years, three years, two years, a year, to just excel in our development and get the best offer we can to a D1 or D3 college. So, and you're also, uh, some of the players, not all of them, but some of them actually take some online college classes and stuff to try and get, I guess, on the same track as, as other guys your age, as you, as you may uh, work towards college, you know? Yeah, there's um, a handful of guys on our team this year that are taking online classes just to stay like ahead for junior players or just to keep up with their education so they're not just not doing anything when they're at home. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping to get to that high level of college hockey and what are you doing? What's your schedule like now? You know, you don't go to school full time or anything. You're, you're, as I always tell Billy, it's, it's junior professional. That's what junior hockey like literally means, junior professional. So it's a, it's this uh, kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of this proving ground to get to that college level and to get to that pro level. Like, what what's your day to day schedule like? What are the, what's the stuff you do also outside of practice? You know. Uh, so a day to day is pretty simple. It's wake up, get some breakfast in ya. And then around noon, you're heading to the rink, and then you have, like, video meetings, and then you have, like, a, a workout and stuff, and then you're on the ice for an hour and a half, two hours, and then once you're done at the rink, it's pretty much, like, 3, 4 o'clock, so you just go home, eat dinner, and then do it all over next day. Is there anything that you work on yourself kind of outside of what the team is doing in its uh, normal routine? It depends. There's a lot of stuff that goes into, like, junior hockey. So right now I'm registering for, like, college classes online. So that's a main focus for me right now is just to start doing my school as it is my last year in junior hockey. So I really have to make that step. But, um, yeah, other than that, there's not really much I do, like, outside of the rink. I like to relax and just take it easy. <laughs> um, and, you know, you mentioned taking it easy. Are there any kind of places you like to go to in Danbury, any things to see or even to eat? Oh, to eat. There's a handful of them. <laughs> we got Mina's right down the road. We got Captain's Corner Deli. Uh, a lot of the guys go to the mall, get some nice um, Chick-fil-A, some Chinese, you know. There's a handful of places around here that are excellent. And, you know, last season you had two different coaches during the tenure of the season. Uh, kind of take us through that transition period between Voidy and Stefan, um, at least from your shoes. Yeah, from my shoes, it was a um, really big difference between the two coaching staffs. Um, Voidy obviously was more goalie focused so he took a lot of pride in the goaltending and he didn't really like know a whole lot about like offense and all that since he was a goalie himself and then when the coaching change happened Patrick obviously was a first round draft pick so he was more 
the offensive skill, go, 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 scoring goals and working on all that. So it was a big difference for us to really get used to how different the coaching was. Different approaches to the game, I guess, is really what it is. And and ultimately, um, it's nice to see Patrick get a fresh start and, and to give him a chance to kind of uh, come in and implement his ideas. And we're going to, you know, we'll talk to talk to him uh, about that. You know, in, in his segment, we, you know, we, we speak to him about it. But I think it's really, um, I think it's the the two quality goalies that came through the Danbury uh, junior hat-trick system recently that are going to make the program a little more visible to the hockey world and, and possibly help kind of recruit players. If you have NHL draft picks and guys that are playing in the world juniors, kind of playing their club games here out of Danbury, that that's huge for recruiting. I mean, there's, you know, my brother's a college basketball coach. There's nothing bigger in the recruiting process than when you tell them that you got 10 NBA players behind you and that you've, you've helped these guys get to the next level all over the world and everything. And that, that's really going to help, you know, the Danbury junior hat tricks. It was a young program. It didn't really start until the, what would have been, um, the hat tricks organization second season, correct, which would have been the pro hat trick second season. Um, but it was the first season for that NAHL team. And it was the COVID year and things were impossible at that time, um, there was a fantastic brawl uh, that year that I was at. But I can tell you that, um, yeah, make no mistake, there's a lot of potential with this Danbury Junior Hattricks program in the sense that we're only coming into like year four of its existence. One and a half of those years was like a COVID year. I think that these players that I know Matt Voidy had a big hand in bringing uh, the two goalies. Pat, what are their names? Patrick Spurzens and Thomas Keysweater. I know that Voidy had a big hand in that, and it's great to see you know a guy who played his college hockey right here at Western Connecticut State, pretty much a Danbury guy, uh, bring those international-type talent to Danbury and to the program, and ultimately that's going to be a fantastic recruiting tool, not just for other players but ultimately fans i mean th these guys are going to be in college hockey very soon college hockey is about to sweep across the state of connecticut especially after that quinnipiac championship um it'll never really compare to what we do in danbury it's a, it, as the pro um team it'll, it'll never really compete with that just because it's a different totally different brand of hockey but make no mistake college hockey is about to take off in connecticut these two new buildings are on campus it's going to reignite a lot of alumni feelings and, and, and all that. So, you know, just be prepared that this is going to be a stop on the map for a lot of college hockey guys. A lot of college hockey coaches will probably be coming through here in the next years, especially if we keep bringing talented guys like these goalies in, guys like uh, Logan Nickerson here who have been playing hard. So it, it is going to take time. I, I'm not giving, you know, again, you have to be critical that there's, you know, maybe the team could be marketed a little better and maybe maybe there's um, some obstacles in terms of uh, opportunities to bring fans in. But make no mistake, this is great hockey and it's just going to take a while. No Division One program um, in terms of wins and losses would be much further along 
than we are with the you know than the Danbury Junior hat tricks are. You think what I'm saying? By by season four, you're lucky if you have a winning season. If let's say you become a D1 team, you're lucky to have a winning season by season four, with, with a coach that you can trust and a fan base that cares. So right now it's just it's baby steps, bringing in the, these players that want to win and guys that are clearly world class talents. It's only going to help. So I think that's what why Pat and I chose to kind of do this episode is because we are on the eve basically of opening night for the junior hat tricks and we really didn't get them on that much last season and I think people want to hear from these guys and and I also think that if you really love hockey like if you if you miss the hat tricks uh, pro team when they're on the road you really should go to the NHL games they're they're really entertaining these guys they're playing hard they're skating really fast um it's it's scrappy at times but it's also really entertaining, you know, and, and and that's what I can say. I can't make it down as much as I'd like to, to be quite honest. But when I when I do get a chance to pass by, I do. Yeah, and you know, working these games for the past two seasons has just been an absolute treat. I mean, you know, seeing a different product from the pro team is always nice to see because you guys just are there. There's more, not more necessarily, but in terms of what your guys are going for the hunger it just shows and i i love that a lot um you know going into this weekend we're playing against the new jersey titans um how do you feel about this weekend going into it um what are some things you kind of worked on i'm super excited about it um first two games of the season it was a long off season for the guys um we've just been focusing on our offensive like ability just to score goals and our team bonding so everyone's just as close as they can be and um just like overall everything we're just starting new this year forgetting about the past four seasons whatever but um yeah i'm super excited and then this year too we've the league has also added two new teams to our conference um what are your thoughts on getting a few extra games in the season there also super excited about that uh rochester great city great atmosphere see i've seen what they're doing on like their social media super excited um they're supposed to be pretty good and it's going to be a challenge but i think we can hang in there with them so and then new hampshire that's also a great city so it's going to be fun what's your favorite building to play in in this league I think it's got to be it's pretty close between Maryland and uh, Johnstown. Really? Yeah. What's Maryland's building like? It's not like it's not like our building, Danbury. It's super like small, kind of like a youth rink, but they they get a lot of fans there, so it gets rowdy. What's the? Um, I'm always curious, and maybe maybe this is the year that Pat and I tag along for that trip if if Patrick Stefan will let us on the bus. Uh, what what's the Lewiston and Maine rink like? That's an awesome rink too. Um, it's it's huge. It's got like that just atmosphere. Like fans just love hockey. Like they go there just to support these young kids trying to make it, and they do a great job doing it. You think they get? I, I, like I said, I've never been up there yet. You think they get a lot of fans or? Yeah, they get a bunch. Um, I mean, it's a pretty small city in Maine, so it's not like 
Holy. Does the building feel full? Yeah. It does. Yeah. Do you know that Muhammad Ali knocked out Sonny Liston there? I do. Yeah. That's pretty. That's really. I think that's why we have to make make that trip just to say that we went there. It's like weird. Yeah. I feel it almost feels like it's weird that I haven't been there yet because that's like that's like a trip I definitely would have made. It's a pretty far ride. Yeah. What like? It's like four, four, yeah, four hours or five maybe. hours from here. Yeah. Yeah. What's your least favorite rank to play in the league? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> There's a few of them that are just like the fans are obnoxious. They're throwing things at you, yelling at you, calling a bunch of names. So you guys have had some good battles with this. I didn't know how I felt about it at the beginning, but you, you know, I mean, I, I know they've been successful in the last couple of years. But you guys had some good battles with this Titans team, you yeah. know, back and forth. I mean, I think we've stolen a few games from them over the years, and and and. Uh, it's it's I like that type of a rivalry. That's a great area for hockey. I wish New Jersey somewhere like that was in the Fed. I know they only get like 250 people at the the Titans games, but um, you know, in, in any case, I, I that's another place where I feel like could have that potential vibe. If if somebody could, you'd have to find the right person willing to sink the right money into the a Jersey rink to be in the Federal League. But I feel like that vibe totally is kind of the same thing you know people love flyers hockey and devils hockey and rangers hockey in jersey you know what i mean so uh it'd be great to see that happen and i'm i'm looking forward to to the nhl games this week i'm definitely going to be around friday night yeah and i'll be there too i mean doing the usual thing that i do with announcing and stuff like that but um logan is there anything you want to tell the fans um you know what they should kind of expect going into this weekend yeah, if um, it's not the level like the Fed, but it's young kids that are just trying to make it D1 and like be professional. So, like, the hunger, as you said, is there. Like, we, we give it everything we got every night. So if you're looking for a high compete and scrappy game, like, these NHL games are to die for. Like, I think around here in Danbury, um, a lot of what our problem is is that the Fed team gets all the hype, and we're kind of like on the back burner because not a lot of people around like really know what we're about. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a little bit of the thing. You know, I've actually been on, believe it or not, I've actually been on the Lewiston, uh, the Maine Nordiques message board they have on Facebook. And I, I was poking around there a few years ago. And basically a lot of the people kind of said is that this, this team really works here for us because everybody's a big college hockey fan up there. And they see these guys, I mean, a few years ago, that year that we had the brawl against them uh, in Danbury, uh, they probably had five D one guys on that team, right, right, right in that in that lineup that day. Maybe not, um, but uh, you know, the, a few of them. I think one of them is playing at LIU. I think his name was Isaiah Fox, maybe, and then Antonacci, um, whose father owned uh, the main team, is at Maine now, actually, with the Black Bears. So uh, it it's just one of those things where I think that working together with just kind of bouncing it off a little bit of the pro team. I hope I hope this season, and I hope um, Pat and I have talked, and maybe we can do some things to help uh, 
you know, just get. I think we do this just to let people know hockey's here and and kind of what comes out of hockey. I don't know if it's a sense that we're covering the team or we're just talking about it most of the time. But yeah, like uh, I think more people should go out to the games. There's a lot of talent out there, and in in these other areas in New England, I guess it's a little more. Well, at least Maine and uh, you know places like that. I think they're they're a little more familiar with college hockey yeah. and what can happen with it. So it makes uh, NAHL a lot easier for them to digest. It's like, oh, I get it. It's these guys are trying to get to the, you know, it's a little similar to like kind of high school basketball in New York City or in the or uh, maybe. You know, maybe football in Texas. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the, this is this level where these guys get to the next level. And I think that there's people around, and the games are free to get into, which is really cool. Is uh, You know, there's really no admission. And from what we heard, um, and again, it, it, you would have to confirm, but what we heard, there's going to be, you know, a little more entertainment this year, and the bars are going to be open, um, which hadn't been happening in the past. I think we're. Uh, we're going to see that. So it's going to be a great option for entertainment, especially with no no admission, you know, no, no cost of the ticket. And like I said, it's there's going to be – and one thing that it does have the advantage of is the guys who go to the Fed, um, you know, most of them advance to double-A leagues, you know, and they advance to the S, you know, SPHL a little higher of an A league – and then the double A leagues, ECHL, triple A league. Uh, some guys have gotten to the AHL. I think we had a few guys getting the games over the years from the yeah, Fed. Welly. But you're gonna you're gonna see um, just the way it works. So there's definitely gonna be somebody who played in Danbury, whether for or against us, that'll be in the Frozen Four, almost guaranteed in the next couple of years. It's just a numbers game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you came through here for the Danbury Junior Hattricks or one of our opponents, it's just a numbers game that we'll see in the Frozen Four in the next couple of years. There's less than 100 Division One hockey teams, and that that's probably challenging. How, how hard has that been for you with the recruiting process? Well, it's, I don't know if you have an advisor. How does it work for you at this point? Yeah, um, there's many kids that have advisors that do a lot of the work for them where they don't really have to think about that part of the sport where they can just go out and do their thing on the ice and then their advisor really helps them talk to colleges get colleges to watch them play so for me I I never got an advisor I always had that coach that really took that extra step for me and helped me to move on and get to where I am now so I really never thought it was a really good decision to get an advisor because advisors they're they're expensive they're like how does it work it's like every month you got to pay them so much and then if you do make it to like the pros they get a good percentage of what you make so it's it's really complicated but they're they're definitely helpful to get to where you want to be so you know, you had a cousin in, in Matt Nickerson who played in the NAHL with Billy McCreary, but he, he played one year of Division One hockey at Clarkson, and then he went to major juniors in the Quebec League. Has he ever given you any advice or talked about his experience? Well, uh, his experience was a little different than 
like right. nowadays he was a big fighter that's what he's known for so uh every conversation i've had with him about hockey it's always fighting tips <laughs> telling me what to do or how to do it so um the game's changed a lot since he played so i can't really take those tips too much i mean he's younger than me have you, have you ever talked to him about coming out here to play for danbury yeah me and billy's we've talked about it quite a few times that would be so awesome yeah yeah it would be a great show for the fans here in danbury any any interest on his end or no um <laughs> since he's had uh since he has a newborn it's kind of like yeah He's chilled out a, wa- a lot. I wonder if he ever, like, really considered it. Probably. I mean, <laughs> once you play hockey and you've done hockey your whole life, it's just in your blood, so. When did you start playing? I started playing when I was, like, four. Wow. I was young. Was your dad into the game, or? No. Wow. He he didn't play any college sports, neither did my mom. Uh, so I really just, like, my dad put me into hockey, because of my cousin wow and like when when um was he a big bruins for you said your 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 family's kind of split between the new york and boston sports but was he like a big bruins fan or was that part of your like treks to the to see the bruins player yeah um my my dad was like always big into watching hockey so every every time the bruins played it was on the tv we sat down watched it um we went to a bunch of preseason games down in Bridgeport that I can remember. So, like, going to all these games, a lot of the the Hartford Wolfpack games when I was young. So, we were always in the ring watching no matter what, college hockey, uh, AHL, preseason Bruins games. So, that definitely had a big part in why I like play how's the living dynamic working with you and Billy considering that he's such a Maple Leafs fan <laughs> we don't really talk about it he, <laughs> he puts on the I Maple Leafs <laughs> he puts on the Maple Leafs games and I just kind of sit down and watch it are you a big watcher do you watch a lot yeah. yeah 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 I mean being in that household it's all hockey at this age and stuff who's your who's the guy you like to watch the most you, you check his stat line and stuff uh, as like a NHL player, yeah. Uh, well, it used to be Patrice Bergeron. He was like my idol player, but he's retired now. So probably, I'll probably check up on Connor Bedard. Wow. Yeah. Now that he's everybody's 17. looking to see, yeah, looking to see what he'll do. What 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 is your take on? I mean, you're a little older than him now. Like, what what's it like for you to watch a kid like that about to make a probably play right away? Right. I mean. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's insane to even think about, like, he's two years younger than me playing in the NHL. <laughs> but it's like he has a special talent that only one in an, a million players have. So it's, like, obviously good for him. Um, but that's where I want to be. That's where a bunch of kids want to be. And these journeys take a little bit longer for some and a lot shorter for others. Guys always talk about this, like when they come on the show. Did you play against anybody that's in, in major college hockey or in major juniors or pro now? Or yeah, yet? yeah. There's a bunch of guys that I played that were really good at like youth hockey that are in college. So, 
called me on a, a bad change. What were you doing there? I was trying to get the mic off the stand. I wanted to hey, hold it. Behave. Hey, <laughs> listen, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just excited for this weekend. It's it's like you said. It's been a long off season. I'm excited to see how these guys are kind of come out against New Jersey this weekend. Um, Matt, you're definitely gonna be there. Yeah, like, I'll come down Friday night for sure and 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 see what's happening with you guys. And uh, like I said, it's it's. There's, I think there's a special place uh, for this NAHL team in Danbury right now. There's people like myself. I'm interested to see what happens. I know Billy cares about it. Uh, Billy McCreary cares about this NAHL team very deeply, and he, he's worked very hard uh, to continue to establish it uh, from what I can see. And uh, I got to tell you, like, well, just like we said a little earlier, good things are happening with it. The season is new. We have a former NHL player coaching the team. I mean, that alone, to be honest, we, we don't get too many NHL guys mingling in the crowd or, or around the around the rink, although I did meet Matt Molson randomly in the rink uh, oh. last year. Uh, but, um, the you know, you, ha- you have a guy like that who's accessible. He, he signs autograph. He signed Pat's water bottle yesterday. It used to be my water bottle. I gave it, handed it down to him. It was a Dallas Stars. It was a water. Dallas Stars water bottle. And uh, I think he's he's framed it now in like a glass box. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, and then, like we said, on the development side, look, you have, uh, just like uh, Logan said here, it's like it's a scrappy game. It's fast. And then you have kids that are literally playing on some of the highest levels in the world um, right here in Danbury. And I think it's something that uh, it's worth checking out more. I'm sure I will. I mean, yeah, that that sums it up pretty well. And, you know, Logan, thanks for coming on the show. And again, best of luck to you and the guys this weekend. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Xavier Abdallah, number six for the Danbury Hattricks and Vermilion County Bobcats Hall of Famer. And you're listening to Hattrick City on WXCI. Go Rabbits, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, today in the studio, we have a very special guest with us, the one and only Patrick Stefan, the head coach of the NAHL Danbury Junior Hattricks. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm good. The one and only? Wow. The <laughs> one and only. <laughs> well, there's only one Patrick Stefan, and I remember when um, – like the announcement was made that you were going to be the coach. And I was like, how the hell did we get this guy here? Just one of, all of a sudden you randomly show up. How, how did you get to this area? I mean, I mean, obviously it started with my son, um, that he was drafted here and then uh, had an opportunity to play here last year is his first year. Um, you know, I, I want to be, get into coaching. Uh, I want to be coaching at the, at the junior level. Uh, obviously I had some pretty good experience at the, at the youth level, midget level. Coach at the Little Caesars in, in Detroit, and then um, you know just wanted to take a step here in my coaching career, and then wanted to hit the junior level, and and this opportunity kind of came came around that uh, you know spoke to Billy, and 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 obviously my son was on the team, so he kind of just you know met up and and then saw the situation and saw the opportunity for me to just come in here and then maybe um, you know change some things around and then uh, and then uh, start my junior career. You know, as, as a coach, <laughs> what, where, where did you live full time? Like, where's your home full time? Well, I don't have a full time home anymore right now. <laughs> the last few years, we've been kind of on the road uh, quite a bit. Uh, my oldest son plays on the West Coast uh, in the WHL. Wow. You know, my younger son was in Michigan, and then obviously last year here. Uh, my wife is from California. I'm from Czech. Uh, we've been into Michigan 
for the past six, seven years uh, because both of my boys play uh, play youth level there. Uh, so we kind of spend the summers there. Uh, but now, obviously, you know, my son is on the West Coast. My younger son is here, and I'm here as well, and so is my wife. <laughs> For some of our listeners who don't know Patrick Stefan's background, you, you were the number one overall pick in the 1999 NHL draft, but you actually stand out um, – for me, for a really unique reason, you're not going to know what it is right away. You were drafted from the old International Hockey League, and there was really only a handful of guys, and definitely not many number one picks to get picked from the old IHL. I think Peter Sikora, uh, who played for the Devils, did he play yep. for the Vipers in yep. Detroit for a little while before he got picked? What was it like back then? How did you how did you break into the IHL? What was was there was it some some kind of stuff going on in the Czech Republic or? So I have another guy, Radek Bonk. Radek, yeah, he yeah, played he with played the Las Thunder. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So, so, so th- this is the weird. This is a weird story about me. How I've been around minor league hockey so long. I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but Pat knows it. So I had an uncle that moved out to Vegas in the early '90s, yep. and all of those guys who played for the Las Vegas Thunder, Radek, um, Jeff Sharples was a guy who played in the NHL for a long time. They all lived in my uncle's complex, and he would take their mail in and drive them to the airport and pick up chicks for them and all this stuff. So I knew everything that was going on. How, how did you get to the IHL? So, I mean, I was I was playing in Czech. I was just starting to play my pro over there at 16, turning into 17. And um, and then during the, I think it was in the Gano uh, Olympics, uh, I was essentially allowed to leave Czech during that month break and then come into IHL and just to try out, you know, what it feels like to play in North America. Uh, obviously, through my agent, you know, didn't know really much about the IHL. You know, I have, a, you know, there was one Czech player on the IHL team in Long Beach. Uh, so we connected and it just kind of gave me some insight on the, on the league. Um, you know, so I was, it was, essentially I was coming in just for the trial, just for, you know, to try it out for like a month and then <laughs> play maybe 10, 15 games. And obviously, a year and a half later, you know, I, I never went back yeah, home because back. because because I really so what what happened is that is that you know I really got a good opportunity I felt like it was potentially gonna be my best development moving forward because you know obviously NHL was my dream I uh, felt like the North American style and not just on the ice but off the ice uh, you know the language uh, different lifestyle all of that can kind of potentially prepare me for the next step uh, so I you know, stick around and then play for Long Beach for a year and a half uh, before I was drafted. So that's kind of my introduction to the IHL. <laughs> what was it like out there? Long Beach Ice Dogs <laughs> had one of the most famous logos. I mean, you're living in Snoop Dogg's like hometown, basically. What was it like? Well, let me put it this way. I mean, I, I come to the rink in shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops <laughs> all season. The rink is right on the beach, pretty much. Just like here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, coming from Czech, like it was, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a, like a wow factor, you know, outside of the, the game. But um, I found that the IHL was actually an interesting league, and maybe that's why also I stick around for the year and a half, is that because it wasn't a typical AHL, like a minor league teams. There were some minor league teams uh, involved in this, but... I feel like lots of older players that may potentially still be good enough for NHL, but you know, not maybe anymore were playing in the IHL. Um, so made the league a lot more competitive. Uh, there was a lot more skill in the league too as well. And obviously Long Beach, um, you know, when I got there and when I got to know about Long Beach, I mean, every year they were at the top, every year that, you know, they produced some good players. 
you know, good coaching. Uh, John van Boxmeer uh, was my head coach there, and and it really took me in. You know, really good group of players and and and, and the guys uh, who actually had it. You know, uh, some taste or even some experience in NHL level, which I found it was really good for me because I got to learn from some of these guys. You know, and just daily habits and 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 things they do. Um, so I find it really, really helpful to me and, and, you know, in some ways very exciting. But, you know, yeah, going to Long Beach, California, my first experience in North America, ring right on the beach. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a shocker. It, it's kind of similar to kind of that Austin Matthews move in some ways, right? Didn't he play pro in, uh, was it Austria? Yeah, year? he went to Switzerland, I think. Switzerland, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Played, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, What, what, like at that time in the IHL you're playing, you, you put up okay numbers. My question to you is like what? Did you think you were going to be the first overall pick in '99? Um, I mean, that was my dream. Essentially, I think that's you know you you're trying to get drafted, you know, and then obviously that you know maybe a couple of years before the draft, you know, there's some hype about some players. You know, I think there's been some talks about you know myself, the Sedin twins were there, you know, a couple other players, you know, American players, um, you know, were mentioned too, in you know just a year or two years prior. So, I mean, there's been talk. Um, about it so you know i wouldn't say it was on my mind you know a lot but something i was you know obviously shooting for i think that you know when you have that you know potential to be number one pick i mean you kind of shooting towards yeah you want to play in national hockey league but you know being drafted first of all be uh pretty incredible amazing i didn't know that's gonna happen to be honest like i mean until <laughs> pretty much you know a few minutes before the you know really uh, that they close. announced my name because you know, I kind of had idea like potentially going to Atlanta, and I think they were picking third overall. So I, I felt like I was going to potentially go to third overall to Atlanta. They made a trade. Yeah. You know, right? I think just a few minutes before the you know they were picking first, and and then when they made the trade, I was like, holy crap! I may be going first, and that's kind of how it you know went down. And and so I really have no idea I've been going first overall until probably the last maybe you know seconds or minutes prior. So. A trade from Tampa Bay via Vancouver, yeah. It was a multiple trade. I think yeah. there was so many players involved, and I think that like Vancouver was trying to get the Sedin twins, so there was like I think it was just so many, so much going on in that trade, multiple teams that essentially like Atlanta ended up in the first overall position, and and obviously it drafted me. So you know, coaching <clears throat> coaching over here now with these junior kids, they're trying to get the opportunity. Mostly yeah. here with NAHL, they're trying to get that college opportunity. Yeah, but. The last year or so that you've been involved here, do you, do you think back a lot about that time and how you were handled as a player around these guys' age? Or, well, I think that for me as a coach and and you know as a former player, you know not not every former player you know doesn't matter what level you play is going to make you to be a good coach. I, mean, I think I think coaching, it's there's so much more involved in that. There's just knowing the game. Uh, but what I found is interesting. You just mentioned that is that you know. When you go through experience as a, as a player, ups and downs, adversity, different levels, it gives you that little bit of the insight on like, you know, you kind of know what the boy's feeling and how they, what they're going through, you know, ups and downs. Like obviously last year was a tough year for this organization and for our team and for the players. But also same time, like, I mean, I kind of knew how they felt, you know, and, and knew what kind of mindset they were in. I remember my first year in Atlanta, I mean, we won, I think we won 13 hockey games out of 82. <laughs> so like... I mean, that was not fun. No, so, right. so, but I remember I was in the locker room. I remember how I handled that. I remember the older guys how they, you know, handled the situation. So, so this way, in some ways, as going through some of these tough experiences, you know, kind of give me potentially some positive things that you know I can relate to that, and then help them out in that going through those process. You know, when you 
when you're struggling, when you you know going through adversity, or when you're playing well either. So yeah. I think that's something maybe, you know, me because I was a former player and going through some of these things can can really help uh, these guys. In that 1999-2000 yeah. season, you, you said the Thrashers were struggling. How did that impact the player that you became in the NHL? I think it was a it was a for sure tough go for me as a young guy. You know, and then you know who's the coach? So we had Kurt Fraser, and then. You know, I think he came from Orlando Surrey Bears, the AHL team, or maybe even IHL team at that time before that. Um, and it was also first year for him. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on. And then, you know, it's, it's you know, back then, it's not like now expansion team, that expansion team can really load up, right? Yeah. I mean, there's different rules. You know, they can really get some good players right away from, uh, you know, other teams. You know, back then, you know, with us, that was not in the case, you know, so... You know, we were not able to get, you know, obviously the better players from other teams. So it took some time. And then for younger player, you know, obviously come into the league, I felt like I was more ready because I play in IHL. But what you realize is that, you know, it's a tough league. Um, it's a business. It's a winning kind of culture for anybody, coach, organization. So that was not the easiest way, that kind of introduction, you know, for me, the National Hockey League. It was a struggle, and not just the first year, but first couple of years, you know, until we got some players, you know, and we changed a coach, you know, I think in, my, in our third year. So it took some time to really kind of build up, you know, the organization and, and, and get, you know, into the better place in regards to just, you know, culture, winning, um, you know, players. I mean, so. there were some vets on that team, Andrew Burnett, Ray Ferraro. <laughs> Um, Mike Stapleton, who played for years. Kelly Buckberger from yes. Edmonton. I mean, I think he was our captain. He was kind of the guy who kind of took me under his wing, which was great leadership, great leader, great human being. I've been around for a long time, obviously, playing in Edmonton. A lot of legends. Uh, Whaler legend Kevin Dean. <laughs> um, Hant Domnicelli, another one of the great hockey names of all time. I think, I think we went to like... I don't know if... The first, I think we went to like 45 players. That first that year. year? I think we had like six goalies as a starters in that year. <laughs> so. Do you think, um, you know, you, you had played a few years in the American minor leagues. Yeah. Um, again, it was a great level of hockey in the IHL, but I still think that even then most people considered it a minor league. Yeah. Did you think just the way it worked, did you have any idea? Did you think you were going to spend that much time in the NHL the first season? Did you think you might have had a chance to go up and down, get a little taste, or was it going to be a play – you know, no matter what type of situation. So for me, that time, I want to play in the NHL. Yeah. Right? Like, I want to play a whole season. Just, I didn't, that's, that was my whole dream, whole goal, and that's what I wanted to do. Looking at it back, and obviously going through experience. How old were you? you? Know, I was 18. Yeah. You know, could have been better for me to maybe develop a little bit more in the in the minor league team, you know, in minors. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, especially, I think, because maybe not so much about just me as a player, but about, where the organization was at the time. The team wasn't know. winning, yeah. You know, and it's it's. I think it's tough to bring younger players to that. You know, I, I didn't know that 18, and, you know, obviously now I know it later on, you know, because I've been through that and experienced that. It, it's just, it's a tough um, situation. I mean, winning does a lot. You know, you can, you know, when you, when you lose and lose and lose, you know, it's tougher for the coach, tougher for the players, environment. It's not easy either and fun. Um, so... You know, did I was I was I happy that I got to play the first year? Yes. Was it better for me to maybe, maybe split time or do get some time in the minors? I think so. Yeah. When you're that number one pick again, I, I think we just think in the yeah. in the American sense of things, right? You're the number one pick. You're going to be leaned on 
to be a contributor and to contribute every night. Let me ask you something. Was that your game? Were you the guy, as a younger kid, were you the guy who scored five points in a game, or were you the guy who had two points in a really good game otherwise, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know if I was like, I don't think I was a really like a leader or like a guy that who is who is go-to guy. Um, and also the reason for that is that, I mean, ever since I was 11, 12 years old, I always play up. Yeah. Always play up a level, all the kids, you know, so... It's hard to be the go-to guy when you by far the youngest guy on a team. So I always have to catch up, you know, to that level. Which my hockey sense, you know, I, I think I was a very good player, but I wasn't like, you know, and that's why you see some of these, you know, sometimes, you know, the junior players, you know, they're playing at the level for two, three years. By the second or third year, you know, they put up 150, 160 points, you know, and just dominated the league. You know, I was never really dominating any leagues because, like I said, I was playing up a lot, you know, with a lot of older players playing at the pro level at 16 years old like you know you just you know you were never kind of in a position to be just really dominated at your level and then you know by by the way you know before I so I went to IHL play Long Beach but I was drafted by a WHL team I think it was Edmonton Ice the wow. same year so they were hoping that I'm gonna go play there <laughs> year before my draft wow you know so now look at the back it's like sure I went there maybe and they'd be like you know I can be really go-to guy and kind of maybe experience that kind of level you know of, of play but it, it doesn't matter what you know. It, you can take back what happened, but um, you know, you, your, your answer your question that no, I mean, I mean you know, I, I was a very good player, but I was never really playing at the level like you know I, I was really dominant. You know, five six points a night. Right. You know, I just dominated that league because, like I said, I mean, I was just playing up. So Some, much. Something that we see here in Danbury a little bit too is when the guys come over from the foreign countries. There's usually an agent or an advisor. Or who who were you getting advice from in those days? Well, I mean, it was my advisor, my agent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had a guy in Czech who I become almost like my dad. I really enjoy, I really like, but he was in Czech. You know, <laughs> he didn't really know much in North America. You know, so, I mean, you, you get these, you know, advisors, agents, they're trying to help you out. But, like, at the end of the day, there's only so much they can do. Like, they, they don't really know the ins and outs. They don't know the locker room stuff. They don't know, you know, colleges and other things. So, and then, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, European player. I think that's, you know, as much as you're learning the style on the ice because obviously it's a smaller rink you know you have to react quicker you know everything happens faster it's also off the ice too because i mean it's it's a different culture you know here in north america compared to europe on the um by 0304 that was like right before the lockout season i guess you were an assistant alternate captain on the team and you're up to about 40 points in in 82 yeah. games so point every other game guy what happens to you when the lockout comes? You're, it seems like you're making that stride yeah. and you're beginning to get into that every every shift type of a guy. What, what happens? What, you know, and again, it's n no fault of yours. It's just the way the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, developed. I don't. You know, I, I hate looking at excuses and things uh, and whining about things. Um, you know, that year obviously that was a really fun year for me. Um, I got to play with two obviously very good players. I got to play with Marian Hossa and then Slava Kozlov. Yeah. Two pretty good players. To Incredible play at the end. So, yeah. you know, so like, I mean, you know, my production was there oh, a lot better. Yeah, I got the 40 points, which I think is pretty reasonable for, you know, National Hockey League in the season. Felt good about myself. Yeah, and then you get hit with lockout. You know, so it's like basically, you know, stop of the season. You know, I ended up going to Finland. Um, you know, I think it was maybe November, December. I didn't go right away uh, to somebody that, um, you know, I ended up in Elvis Tamper, a small town. You know, in Finland, got to play with Steve Carrier, wow. uh, Paul Carrier's brother, yeah, which I think brother. was very cool. We become very good friends. That's cool. Uh, so we had a 
fun playing together. I really enjoy Finland. I think Finland is 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 pretty close, probably the closest thing in in Europe to North America. Really? The way they train, the way they play, they have small rings. So I really enjoyed that league. I thought it was fun. But again, like I mean, I went from playing National Hockey League to basically playing. I think it was thirty games in in Finland, and then trying to come back to National Hockey League. You know, basically almost the entire year later. The speed's uh, got to be totally different. Yeah, and then. And then, yeah, and then, you know, after that, you know, I got, got traded and it just, <laughs> you know, I got injured. I had a, you know, bad hip and then just everything kind of just, I don't want to say went down a hill, but yeah, it wasn't heading the directions I was hoping to be heading. When did those injuries start for you? Uh, well, I've been, you know, with the, with the hip and other things that really just happened when I got to Dallas. When I got traded there, you know, I started having some issues with my hip and then, you know, all of a sudden I find out it's like, a, you know, it's a pretty serious thing and, you know, I got try to play through it that year in Dallas which another thing is that that was the really first time you know so I was in Atlanta and I got to Dallas and and you go to the place that there's a culture there's a winning there's Mike Modano right Martin Truco there's like you know you're like there's like the built organization that it's you know you know you talk about the leadership and then just you know it's a winning organization so it was amazing you know Dave Tippett was my coach uh, you know I think great player coach uh, kind of thing I felt very good about where I am now and it's almost like you're kind of getting second opportunity here you know on very good team but again you know just started training camp and bow through the injury and then try to stay in that you know in that season didn't want to get a surgery done so just fight through that and then you know had an okay season but after that you just you know I just I couldn't I couldn't move i couldn't really play anymore <laughs> before we get up to that i wanted to ask you you know you you were with atlanta it seems like you played one two three parts of four parts of four or five seasons right yeah so do you did you feel in the time that you were there did you feel like the the, the management and all that do you think that they wanted you there did they want you to develop yeah i know i mean I, I think that was the goal i mean i i think that's if they didn't Want me, and they probably wouldn't draft me first overall. I think that's well. You know, you, know, you hear it before. Other guys they get drafted so high, and then something changes, and then the new person doesn't know why they're there. And yeah, I, I think that will really. I think the intentions was good, but obviously the process is is different. You yeah. know, and and you know, a brand new team put together. You know, I think the coach was brand new as well, right? First time head coach in National Hockey League. There were lots of first, you know, first of this, first of that. So it takes some time. You know, to kind of really gel and, and, and get it going, and it's really hard for the younger player. Yeah. You know, so I just, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't look at it like, oh, they didn't want me to be there or develop me there in some ways. I think it was just just really a bunch of different things happening, you know, in those, in that span of a few years that, you know, obviously didn't help me and didn't help the team either. Yeah. What happens when you get to Dallas? It was the, uh, Who was the coach? Tippett? Dave Tippett, yeah. 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 What, what was your relationship with the whole organization like well it was great but you know I, I got there so difference is that you know I got to Atlanta and I was almost like that's 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 the name as the franchise player that's, you right, know, that's right, right and I got the Dallas I'm like I'm just a player there yeah trying I mean, to make the team Modano, like I mean there's you know I did took me in and they really helped me out I mean they saw obviously a you know, high draft pick kind of maybe restarting his career I mean great locker room great leadership like I really enjoyed that you know I was like I wish I had that in my first year. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a lot easier. Right, but when you got Mike Madonna next to you in yeah, the locker exactly, room to talk exactly, to, hey, Mike, exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly, So, um, So that was it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. I was like, you know what, I mean, this is this is really helpful, and I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of rejuvenating and, and kind of get it going again, you know, but unfortunately, with the injury and then start having issues with the hip, it just kind of really slowed down everything, you know, and then just, yeah, 
Is that what really ended your career there? My hip? Yeah. 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 So I I mean I I didn't know it'd be that serious, having issues. Like I said, try to fight through the whole season. Uh even after the season I had a arthroscopy surgery. I went to back to Europe just to try to play and then trying to see if I can make it work. But my body and my and my hip, you know, back then probably you know, doctors and the surgeons couldn't do the kinda, you know, miracles uh, right. maybe they can do now. Uh but I just like I mean I could have barely walk. I mean it was you know, I was twenty six, twenty seven. Like it, it was that whole year took a lot on me in some ways. Because I just I you know, I battled through that, Corazon Charles, just try to fight through that. And I you know, I told myself like I mean if I have to do this every year <laughs> that that's hard. What effect did kinda of ending your career there, what did it have on you personally as a as a person? At twenty six, uh, you're, you're you're basically done, right? You're less than ten years from your draft. It was definitely probably one of the, maybe one of the toughest times I had experienced. Um, and actually, and also how it went down was that I went back to Europe, in Switzerland, and Bern. So I signed a contract there. I played first, I think four or five games maybe, and I was like, you know, I was hoping to play and just at least restart my career. They shut me down. It was basically game over. I had to stay in Switzerland for another like two months by myself to do some paperwork or insurance or something like that. No wife um, by myself basically told me like, hey, you can't play hockey anymore. Wow. And you go figure it out at 26. I'm like, oh, I was I was hoping to play, you know, I'm doing 35, 40. <laughs> I had some goals for that, you know, and, and, and also not just that, but like, okay, so what am I gonna do now? Like, I mean, like I'm 26. Hockey is the only thing I know. <laughs> wow, I mean, did you, what did you do? Well, I struggled in the first couple of months, and when I was by myself there, I, I went back to U.S. or back to North America, and thankfully, you know, my my agent in Czech, um, who was like I said, like almost like my second dad to me, uh, basically asked me like, "Hey, would you would you want to help me out?" And then you know, and and, and you know, and help me with players as agent. So I got into the agent business. Wow! Right away, like I knew I was going to do something around hockey. Right. You know, if it's going to be. Coaching, I was like, there's no way. I'm too quiet to be coach. I was never, you know, the guy who was kind of just, you know, upbeat and then talking on the bench. I'm like, no, oh, there's no chance. Scouting, for me, wasn't enough interest because I felt like scouting is just to go see the players report and just not enough for right. me. And this agent stuff, you know, become kind of really full-time thing. Really enjoy that because I got to work with some of the younger players. So I got to actually... Help them all with what I've been through. And are you, are you still felt. able to do that? Or? No, so so I was an agent, you know, for what, 15 years, and then about two years ago, I on my own gave up the certification because I can't coach at uh, anything higher than the you know youth or midget level and to be NHL certified. I see. So I give up the the agency to fully pursue coaching. Wow. Um, so I got some great 15 years of being agent, learned a lot. Got lots of great experience. Work with you know obviously some very good players. Uh, one of my clients and one of my best friends is actually playing for the Boston Bruins, wow. um, you know right now. So it's um, I learned a lot. It, w- it was really good. It was fun, fun to be around that, um, you know. And now yeah, I got into coaching and full time and, and really kind of pursue that. Where were you based out of when you were an agent? Well, I mean you know I was in Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, I started in California, but. You know, we had to move to Michigan for a couple of things. You know, obviously, both of my kids were really into hockey. So I think Michigan is, I think, in my opinion, one of the best places to be competitive is, you know, traveling-wise. And for me as an agent, it was a lot easier to travel. You know, obviously, on the West Coast, that's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of travel to be, you know, spending time away from home and from my kids. And I want to be around my kids and I help them. 
So we moved to Michigan and kind of really ba- had a base in Michigan for know, whatever seven, eight years. It's just know. the two. You have the two boys. Two boys, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And let me ask you something: when you're coaching now, how much of it is stuff? You obviously, you learn how to play hockey in Europe. You kind of spent time in the old minor league system of the yeah. United States, and then you're an NHL teammate of a, a couple of legends there. What most of your tactics and stuff? Where does it come from? From uh, everywhere, to mm. be honest. Um, I think from and if we talk about it, though, I mentioned that you know from the ups and downs, from diversity, from different style of coaches. You know, I like to say that you know I yeah I'm European. I like to mix the European with the North American style, if you put it this way. Like I mean, I like the skill. You know, I like the puck position, but I also know that we are playing in North America. You know, it's it's more you know north to south. You know, and 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 higher pace and and, and these things. So, like I mean, I I've been learning a lot. You know. True to player, true to being agent, and you know, even when I was coaching for six, seven years at the lower levels, uh, midget level and youth level, I got that actually a chance to coach some some pretty good players like Luke Hughes. You know, I coach yeah. and we won a national championships together. I think it's 2019. So all, all through these experiences and 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 you know, being coached by coaches that they have different tactics. You know, some are being very hard, some are being more like a player coach. So I always try to take away like. I guess maybe the best out of all of them and kind of mix it together. So, you know, I want to be known for being as a coach that, you know, I, I care about the players. I care about the development. I think if you develop the players, you know, you're going to start winning some hockey games. That's kind of how I feel about it, especially at the, at the junior level. Um, and, you know, I want to be, I want to push the players, but I want the players to make sure they understand, like, you know, I'm here to help you. You know, I'm not here to yell, scream, you know, punish you over here. I'm here to help you. It can be through negative or positive uh, feedback. We, we've covered so much, but I, I, I feel like I still have stuff I want to ask you. You know, what what was your impression of Danbury hockey when you came here? What was your impression of what is and what could be? Um, so I got to tell you, that one of the first things I noticed is that, you know, for my team last year that I got to is that it was an unbelievable group of kids. Um, I mean, you think about, you know, what they've been through. Um, it was a tough year, tough first, you know, whatever, two, three months. And you walk into the locker room and how positive and they stick together. That was one of the first thing I noticed because, you know, I experienced it in a way, you know, in Atlanta that, you know, we won 13 hockey games and it's tough. It's a tough locker room, you know, because quiet, quiet, you know, there's not much, I don't say leadership, but it sucks. Camaraderie is missing. Really suck, you know. So for these guys and young kids, I mean, they are, you talk about, you know, they are what, 18 to 20. You know, to Some have of them that, younger, right? Even yeah. younger, yeah. yeah. So, you know, having that kind of locker room and, and, and positive attitude throughout this, I mean, that was my first thing I really noticed. I was like, wow, you know. And then, see, for me as a coach, when I see that, they, when they have to go through and they have that, I was like, oh, I mean, I can work with that, you know. So, I mean, that was kind of my first, you know, kind of notice introduction to the Dunbury, you know, Hockey team, organization, whatever it is over there. I got, I got to know, obviously, a lot more Bill McClary, you know, just the organization, the, the pro guys. You know, they've been great with just helping me, helping the guys. I mean, they've, they've been really involved, you know, last year. And even so now, this summer, with, you know, helping on the ice and just, you know, giving some good pointers to the players. Like it, it, So I feel like, you know, now it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's a pretty good environment and, and family kind of oriented in a way that, you know, if the pro team, you know, you have the now team, and then a three team like all together. And now you have youth hockey too, right? In the in the in the hat tricks, yeah. they they started. Mm-hmm. So I think there's obviously lots of positive things happening right now for the organization. So you, why don't you um, today this while we're record well 
before we recorded today, there was a little bit of a scrimmage game, yep. uh, kind of intermingling some of the pro guys and the NAHL junior guys. What can you say you saw today? Well, I you know I wanted to do I wanted to do some kind of scrimmage kind of you know uh, game situation um, um, before we had this our first games against the Titans this weekend, um, and I. Had, you know, I have almost five lines uh, still. You know, on the on the wow. roster and the twenty four skaters. Huh. Uh, so if I was going to have two teams, you know, I have to you know maybe fill a couple of spots. So I, I asked a couple of the, the pro guys if they'd be willing to, to jump on and just help out. And and you know, it was obviously they, they said yes. You know, whoever was in town, um, they enjoyed, they had fun. Um, you know, and and for me, it was it was more of just to get the boys. And I don't say game shape, but but the game situation, awareness, and things, because you can practice all day, it's nothing compared to the game, you know. So I think this was kind of control scrimmage and just go out with a couple of pro guys. There was some fun up there, you know. The boys had a good time, um, you know. And and for me, it was a chance to just kind of see them in the in the game setting, game mode, uh, you know, heading into the weekend. And I guess you got your first two games this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we have a Friday, Saturday, seven PM against the Titans. Uh, it's a good way to start. <laughs> yeah, in, in in Jersey, it's here. I think. Oh, it's at home. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah so home yeah. game Friday night and and Saturday, yeah. I guess. So that'll yeah. be pretty good. Um, before we let you go, <laughs> I'm sure you knew this was coming. Did you say for the last? Okay. Um, I really want to only ask you about it. Yeah, because I. I have a feeling that if YouTube didn't exist, no one would think about it. Okay. I mean, I got, I, th- I think I got over over a million hits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like, mean. <laughs> I mean, like, but but let me ask you something. I, 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 this is not the first time I was in a situation like this. Many years ago, you might even remember this guy. Many years ago, former Clippers player, Keith Kloss, was, he was, act- it was a different kind of a, a, a video. He was actually jumped outside of a club and like no and it went online and it was like an hour-long video and I didn't want to ask him about it. this is a totally different thing but I want I wanted to ask you like does it affect you to play in your mind that this stupid video is out there I mean it doesn't affect me anymore right I mean at the it time happened, it affect me uh it affect me for a while I mean you know everybody talks about it you know you talk about YouTube yeah it couldn't also happen in a better place in Edmonton <laughs> you know so like you know and actually you know not just Edmonton we played back to back games that day and then our second game was in Calgary wow right so you imagine that I think that they were playing that on the in the warm up in the in the jumbo drum you know just showing that as well so it's listen I mean it was it was um you know incredible moment of you know disappointment and 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 what happened it happened so fast that actually I couldn't even really think about it because I was so so shocked and I think probably for the entire team was so shocked. But a couple of things happened from that is that was that the end of the regular season? No, I don't think it was like I think maybe June or February. Yeah. So I think it was So it wasn't like the biggest deal. Like it was like yeah. it's not like yeah. it's the Stanley Cup finals here. But you know? it was in Edmonton. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um they're relentless there. Yeah. But um you know, so it happens, you know, Alashemsky, my countryman scores <laughs> on top of everything else. But what was happening, and what was amazing about that is that um, how how much support I got from my teammates. Really, and when you know you go through that, you know it's a tie hockey game. It is it's OT. I think we went to shootout. Yeah. And I think Martin Duco came to me. I was sitting at the bench for like last ten minutes, just basically by myself, like just like I don't even know. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm like I can't even think right now. And Martin Duco comes and he's like, "You going to shootout?" 
I'm like, no chance. <laughs> but for me, like just having that kind of confidence and having that kind of teammate for him to, say that, to say that, that meant a lot. It says a lot, right? Like it says a lot about the team and, and we talk about like, you know, that culture and that winning. And so what I got out of it is that those guys kind of really helped me through that. You know, because I mean, if I didn't have that, you would be lonely. I, you know, I, in a situation. I really appreciate your candidness with this because I, this is the part of my, what I do as a journalist you know, that, that I really love is I can kind of dispel a myth here. You know, like it wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't like, like, cause remember when you see this video on YouTube, you don't get any context. And it's so long ago now that, that nobody really knows. Like, like if you told the average dummy the way the internet works now where the videos just keep popping up, if you told the average person, oh yeah, this was game seven of the Stanley Cup finals with absolutely no context, they probably believe it. You know what I mean? But it really was a, a, a middle-of-the-season game. Well, I, I think the one thing I learned from that is that, you know, one mistake I made in that play, and that's that, you know, I should just shot it. Yeah. You know, I was trying to actually – here's my thing because I always overthink things usually. I was trying to bring the puck to the net, like, all the way to Lay the net. Lay it in. And yeah. I put it on my back end, which I have no idea why. <laughs> and if you see it, it jumps over my stick. So, like, what happens after that, it just, you know – I mean, I don't know if it's bad luck or whatever, but it happens so quick. I was in, in shock and everything. But like I said, the one thing I would change is just, yeah, just shoot at the net. You know, don't overthink it. And I was yeah. overthinking it. I, <laughs> I don't think I, I, I will ever have another opportunity to do this, so I'm going to do it. Do you know that about 10 years, this is a true story, I told Billy this the day you got hired. You know that about 10 years ago, the New York Times hired me to try and find your phone number? Really? They were they want they were doing a story about these little errors in sports, and I told them I, this is something that's coming back to my memory. I said it wasn't a playoff game, and they were like, "Oh," I was like, "Yeah, it wasn't a playoff game. It was like the middle of the regular season." They said, "Okay, don't worry about it." So then. you're looking for my number, and now ten years later, we all sitting here. Here we're podcast. sitting next to. This is <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, they, I literally got paid like 150 bucks to Google your phone number for an hour. You still need my number? No, I do. No, yeah, I mean, I could have used it then. You know, maybe I'd have gotten 300 bucks. But I, I appreciate you answered that question because uh, you know. It, I'm sure there's something really embarrassing that I did out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do well, it all the time. It's embarrassing, but. You know, I always like to give, you know, I'm not afraid to give the ins and outs. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's embarrassing, that moment, but also there's so much more around that. Exactly. You know? And I think that's, you know, you talk about your teammates, you talk about what happened and, and how much trust they have in you, and it's a team sport and all these things. Like, I mean, I think that's that's what is amazing. Because I'm sure there's some wild speculation in some comment on YouTube under there that's just got the whole thing wrong. No. Like, no. he went back to Europe, oh, he, he lives in a I'm cave, sure, he yeah. drinks, you yeah. know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. You know, social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the 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 the, um, the accuracy of anything on social media is always yeah. to be questioned. That's why we do journalism. Exactly. Ta-da! You know. And I did want to follow up with: Have you contacted Chicago's front office at all? <laughs> why? Because the they got yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, hey, if you didn't do that, yeah. they wouldn't have got Kane. They wouldn't have got those three cups. I mean, there's lots of ifs. That's just a bit. That just sounds ridiculous. I mean, hey, like, if, if you want to put it out like that, but it's true though that that pick was because of that play, and they. That's like saying that, that if LeBron James wasn't born the year I graduated, I, like I, he would, I would have been the first pick. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Well, know. no, but it went to a head-to-head because it was a three-way tie between Chicago, Edmonton, and Dallas. Wow. And Edmonton got that extra point because it went to overtime, 
But, but but it wasn't the last game of the season. No. Right. So they but could, still, could, but they overall, could, they could have. Yeah, they could have won they 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 extra point. Yeah, The Dallas Stars could have won the Stanley Cup that season. I mean, yeah, think about it, right? Like, I think if it's, I think if it's the last game of the season, yeah, that's the breaking point. Okay, boom. Okay, yeah. But I mean, you got to remember, we're also just coming that it. It was after the lockout too, so it was like, yeah, yeah. you know, what I mean, like we're just coming out of an era a few years ago where St. Louis was in dead last on January 30th and won the Stanley Cup. So I, it's hard; it would be hard for me to That's buy true. into now that. Listen, I mean, is it fun That's to true. talk about it? Oh yeah, because hundred percent. Oh my God, he got Patrick Kane. It's like, oh my God, what a story! <laughs> <laughs> so. Before we let you go, why don't you just give us like a little update on your kids? Like, where are they at in their careers and and their development? Yeah, I mean, you know, my son James, he's in, in Portland, Winterhawks, uh, playing up there in WHL. It's going to be his fourth year. Uh, he went to uh, LA Kings uh, uh, main camp last year, a training camp. Uh, this year he's going to Ottawa Senators uh, camp. So, I mean, he's trying to, you know, get to the levels that, uh, you know, I've been. Um, Was he drafted? Driven. He hasn't been drafted, no. Um, so it's going to be more like a free agent kind of thing. You know, hopefully it's a big year and then, you know, pursue his dreams. Uh, and obviously my younger son, Wyatt, is... He's playing here in Dunbury. It's going to be his second year, and I think for him, kind of dreams and goals right now to, to get a you know D1 scholarship and, and commitment and you know kind of pursue that college uh, route. Uh, obviously, it's you know he wants to play national hockey as well um, and have it, have it a dream. But uh, you know, I think that you know most of his you know U.S. players you know playing in in NHL USHL is pursuing those those college. Uh, you know commitments so. So, something i kind of wanted to ask you ju- just just kind of came up right there is like you know having again having gone through a bit of a different route to get to the yep. nhl and now you're coaching in this league and stuff and you have one son who's basically given yeah. for the for the listeners when you go to the major juniors you've you've surrendered your right to go to a division one college you're, yep. you no longer have the opportunity but now you have you know, wyatt who's playing for the nahl team and usually those guys are looking towards that opportunity yep. so you've had one that's gone to the major juniors and one that's looking towards college. What do you think about the approaches here? Like, what do you think so, is the best approach for a kid? So I did this as an agent, right? So because I was representing players who are playing major juniors, I was representing players who are playing college. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, I really think that every player is different. Every player has got different routes and trees, you know, that they have, you know, kind of maybe has a good fit. You know, some players maybe feel, you know, the development and, and, and pursuing the major junior route. Some players feel it, you know, this is the route to go, you know, is, is you know, go to the USHL, NHL, you know, to rankings and go to college. Again, like, I mean, from my experience, I know one thing. It's so hard to get to where you want to get to. Yeah. Like, it's incredibly hard. I don't know what's the percentage, probably 1% of the players get there. Um, you know, I, I think that for some players, you know, maybe take the, the, the shorter term, a shorter route, because if you go to major juniors, you know, you start at what, 16, 17, you're done at 20. If you don't make it, then what are you doing then? Right. For a college level, I mean, you know, you play junior level potential until 19, 20. And if you commit and go to college, you have another four years there. You know, your development, it's, it's going to be a lot longer, right? You're potential mature, to yeah. get there. Maturity, yeah, all of that. You know, but at the same time, like, you know, when you go and play those major juniors, like the high of a play and, and, and a talent wise is very high, yeah. right? You have the best 16, 17, 18 year old players. You know, when you, Play this level over here. You still have very good players, but you have longer to develop. So, like I said, it's it's. I think there's there some both things, pros and cons. I think you're just kind of finding your way. Um, but for me, like I mean, I think the college way it's the goal because you do have a longer term to develop, and 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 to potentially reach your you know whatever your ceiling is. Before we let you go, at least on my end, what what can you tell us about this uh, NHL hat tricks team this season? Well, I, you know, I think that it's um, we are younger. 
Um, I think we added some skill. They don't want to add to the team. Um, I think that the guys who were here last year went through whatever they went through. It's, it's been a, it was a tough year. I really kind of motivated in some ways. Uh, it's the last year as well, so there's lots of hunger. I think there's lots of positive things right now in the locker room and just be around them. Uh, it's a fresh start, right? So, like, I mean, we all started, you know, basically zero wins, zero losses. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they are kind of just looking at that like a fresh start, good mindset, a little bit younger, a little bit more skill on the team. They just kind of all put it together. And like I said, you know, maybe potentially having a good start to the season and, and, and just take it from there. I don't, I don't like to put things on, yeah, we are a playoff team or be near a playoff team. Like right. uh, For me, it's like, let's have a good start. It's a process, you know, you know, gel together as a team, have fun together. And then I think if the process is in the place and you follow that, you know, the wins will come. You know, I think everybody in Danbury is behind you guys with the NHL team. And I also think that, you know what? Just some consistency with that team would be good this year. Just 100%. some consistent. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell guy, you know, like again, I'd never compare even beer league, you know, beer league hockey to anything. But just, just playing hard every game is is an improvement. Sometimes just, just competing. And I, I think there's been lots of positive things happening to this organization. Yeah. I mean, look at the fat team, the pro team, won the league, right? Yeah. I mean, so that helps a lot too. Uh, the ownership is very committed. There's been some changes, adding personnel. You know, the pro guys are a lot more involved with the NA guys now, with my kids uh, or my team. Uh, so there's lots of positive why, you know, all the way throughout, you know, the pro team, NA team, even NA3 team, uh, you know, down, down the, to the list. So. Awesome. Yep. And then what are some things that the fans can expect to see this weekend? Um, hopefully some uh, excitement in the way that, you know, how we're going to play, what kind of pace we're going to play with. Um, you know, we're not going to be team that is going to be easy to play against uh, I felt that last year that you know team just kind of really walk all over us and it was just too easy it was also a lot to do with the mental side of things on the team right when you just yep. lose so many hockey games it's it's you know it's difficult to push the players and then you know have those things so I think that you know the fans can expect that you know we're going to be hungry I think we're going to be a uh, you know challenging team to play against um, and hopefully we're going to play with some pace or some goals Patrick it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for coming in. This is one of the best interviews I think we ever did on the show. Oh, so yeah. I want to thank you so much. How many interviews do you have? We've had almost 30. <laughs> almost 30. Yeah. Right. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. 30. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Patrick. Of course, Appreciate thank you. It.